0: Yes. Five, four, three,
1: two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of Flag and Banner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, Informative and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business.
2: Thank you, Sun Gray. Today we have two guests who not only share their lives, but also their creative love of music. Operatically trained vocalist Miss Stephanie Smittle and her partner, Stephen Cook, founder and host of the syndicated radio show Arkansongs. Stephanie's love of music is wide, evident by her list of work and performances. In the Smiddle band, she sings a smoothie jazz style of music. On the weekends, she sings sacred music as cantor and chorister at Trinity Episcopal Cathedral. And on her side gigs, you might find her sitting in with any number of bands, ranging from folk music to performing with the Arkansas Symphony and other operatic productions.
3: Stephanie's recording career continues, too. Her self-titled debut solo album has just been released, after being recorded in the autumn of 2021 in old Austin, Arkansas, at Blue Chair Studio. It's a collection of 10 songs for voice and electric auto harp. The Democrat Gazette has already reviewed it and called it stunning and incandescent, a skilled and observant lyricist, unafraid to express vulnerability and wonder and rage. It's available on all streaming platforms now and comes out in August on vinyl. We'll have a sample of it later in the show.
2: Her longtime partner, Mr. Stephen Cook, shares in her love of music. In 1998, Stephen began a two-hour program on KABF in Little Rock, Arkansas, where he dug deep into the music pioneers of Arkansas. Without Stephen's love of music and due diligence at uncovering these musicians' songs and stories, many important artists might have been lost. In addition to their dedication to music, both Stephanie and Stephen are journalists and contributing editors of the Arkansas Times newspaper. It is with great pleasure I welcome to the table Arkansas's cultural attaches, Miss Stephanie Smittle and Mr. Stephen Cook. Is this the first time you've ever been called an attache?
0: <laughs> to my face. <laughs>
2: I know both of y'all. I just want to tell our listeners I know both of you. And I wrote Cultural Attaché. I thought, I love that. (laughs) Um, Okay, who wants to tell me how you two first met?
0: Go
4: ahead,
2: Steph. All right, tell us, Stephanie. (laughs)
0: Uh, I guess it was 2010, and um, Stephen and I met at a friend's Christmas party and uh, just got to talking and uh, found that we shared a lot in terms of Um, you know, an experimental approach to music and um, just, you know, I I ended up giving him uh, the Smiddle Band album, which was very new at the time. And uh, I guess the rest is history.
2: So I became a fan. Almost
0: 10 years. Yeah,
2: you did. You became a real fan. So (laughs) you started the Smiddle Band and met Stephen in the same year.
0: Uh, A few months apart. A few months apart. Yeah, that's right. I had uh, a dear friend, uh, Elizabeth, who is a fabulous singer and had gone uh, for an audition. She saw some sort of advertisement from the, the fellows that I ended up playing with in this middle band that said that they were looking for and I love this. They didn't say they were looking for a female vocalist. They said they were looking for a girl singer. (laughs) And so my friend Elizabeth, who is a fabulous girl singer, said, oh, I'm just going to go try. And she ended up jamming with them for the evening, loved it, but had this like little voice in the back of her head that was telling her something. And so as she told me later, she ended up calling the fellows in this middle band at that time. It was with Walker, Ray Wittenberg and Jim McGee at that time. And. She said that she really enjoyed the evening. The songs they played were a blast. But that she couldn't help but think of a whole night, uh, of of her friend Stephanie and that she said, you know, I don't think that I'm your person for this band and this repertoire, but I think I know who is. And so she passed along my number, we all connected and got together one night and played a bunch of like I'm sure we played Rolling Stones covers and Lucinda Williams and uh, all sorts of things and just really stuck from there. And we all were in a space where we could um, just kind of be a little bit uh, free creatively and a little bit vulnerable uh, creatively, you know, and uh, none of us having having any other like projects where uh, certainly it was my first time singing in front of a band. The guys had all been in bands before, but were kind of looking to stretch stretch their wings a little bit into some different repertoire. And so, yeah, and then we, we started kind of the songwriting process just came along naturally.
2: Well, you were born in Cave City, Stephanie, on a chicken farm. So how did you make that leap to this love of music, and where did it begin?
0: Sure. Well, uh, so I was born in Cave Springs. It's... Um, a little tiny town in between Rogers, Bentonville, Springdale, Fayetteville. It was population 969 when I went to high school, and it's something like 4,900 now. So it's it's a little bit of a boom town.
2: Did they have a music program at all? <laughs>
0: well, uh, like like most people from small towns, I got my start and my initial sort of hook into music was in church. And so I did my first solo in church I'm told when I was not tall enough to see over the banister that you know in Baptist churches it's very common you have that little banister with a little curtain on the on the bottom of the stage and I couldn't see over it so they set up a stool for me and I sang uh, a solo I'm sure it was like Twilight Paris or Sandy Patty or something like that and uh, I, you know I, I think I must have gotten hooked because I don't think I ever stopped singing in church afterwards and then i was very very fortunate to um i guess this is a mixed blessing that cave springs is too small to have had a school of its own so i went to betonville high school where there was a fabulous mm-hmm. choir program still is. underneath yeah a person named terry hicks who's uh, still quite involved with the choir program up there and um got linked into choir and sort of got you know Got my propers there, I guess, as far as sight and learning how to work in an ensemble.
2: Stephen, is that the same story that you remember of how you met Stephanie at a party and started talking over music?
4: That was pretty close. There was uh, it was a cookie party, as I remember. So there was a lot of cookies being served. So probably a sugar rush thing happening.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you were Stephen. I read where you grew up in the Delta, and your father was a DJ. Tell us about that.
4: Well, I always thought it was weird, Stephanie and I. You know, Arkansas is such a small state, but our experiences, you know, growing up are quite different. Because I was in, you know, the big city. I was in Stuttgart. <laughs> <which> <laughs> was like it's, It was 13,000 people at the time. And it's grown, grown smaller, of course, during that time, while Stephanie's hometown's gotten bigger. But I felt, uh, you know... I, loved music and art, I thought I was going to grow up and be a syndicated cartoonist. That was my dream, and uh, I didn't get into playing music you know, until well, high school. I started playing drums, and then um, I'm left-handed, so I'd never been able to make sense out of a right-handed guitar. After I graduated college, my friend gave me a right-handed guitar that had been restrung left-handed, and so it was sort of like a door was opened up to me in terms of being able to play or to create my own music. But I'd always loved music, and yeah, my dad was a DJ, and so I was, you know, a little child, and we would listen to, you know, music of Louis Jordan and Muddy Waters, and uh, dad loved ragtime, and so we listened to a lot of weird jazz and a weird blues. He liked music that was older than himself too you know He's, he was really too young to be in the Louis jordan demographic but uh he'd grown up you know hearing those songs in the 40s when he was a little kid and
2: was your father uh, anyway, a musician that,
4: he was a wannabe <laughs> musician he had a lot of enthusiasm and not much talent he liked to play the jaw harp it shapes shaped like a like a little guitar you put it up to your mouth it's about the size of a harmonica and you sort of uh Get this metal peg and breathe in and out, and it makes bass notes. <laughs> he played. He played uh, jaw Harper on my uh, excruciating circumstances album. But yeah, he's the only person I've ever known that can play one of these. So I've seen him on TV. People doing it.
2: Well, does that so, why yeah, you play he, the harmonica?
4: Um, that well, you know, I think that's a great instrument for kids, and so I was playing harmonica from you know early grade school on, and I love the harmonica, and I think every kid should be given one at age six.
2: It's interesting that you thought you were going to be a cartoonist, and you but you've been playing music all your life. Have you also been drawing all your life?
4: Uh, actually, when I kind of got into music in, in high school and college, I sort of left that behind, so it's, it's only been the past two years that I've really been embracing that again, and mostly it's just telling stories you know, but I love to draw along with it, but I love to have a narrative, and uh, I've been uh, doing cartoons on uh, Ozark murder ballads lately. Um, These are songs that are about, you know, crime and retribution, and they're all sort of gathered in the Ozarks uh, in, you know, the 1950s and 40s by John Lomax and all these guys, you know, sung by Granny Riddle and uh, all these famous Ozark people. So I've been illustrating the murder ballads lately
2: i've read that about you we're going to talk about that here in a, in a minute <laughs> But you're both musicians but you're both also journalists for the arkansas times how did that come about did you were you both already journalists before you met
0: steven has been a journalist for for far longer than i uh d- definitely for longer while. than i would yeah for quite a while so his his writing for the arkansas times precedes my time at the Arkansas Times, and he's been a contributor for um, for longer than I than I have been there. but I started in two thousand and sixteen as the arts and entertainment editor there and didn't really have anything um, on paper. you know, I certainly don't have a journalism degree, but I had a great curiosity for it and I loved to write. And you live with an editor, he can read all your stuff and edit it before you. You always need you are only as good as your editor. Right. <laughs> so, right. So that is very helpful. It's very helpful, and we we definitely have that great luxury of being able to say, "Can you just look over this?" Uh, so it's it's great to have that that partnership. But I will uh, I will say that when I jumped in to writing, um, that, that's pretty much what I had. I, I didn't didn't have a, a resume that said I could do it. I just had uh, written a few pieces, and um, my. I like to think that my editor at the Arkansas Times has a great talent for hiring, so uh, I'm still loving it, and uh, it's given me a chance to sort of delve into a lot of the music that's going on now, but also a lot of the the music that I didn't know about that's from my own backyard, and and some of that has undoubtedly coming uh, undoubtedly comes from a living with a person who, you know, for whom names like Louis Jordan. Are uh, are literally sister Rosetta music. Tharp, all
2: those, mm-hmm. uh, all those. Um, there was a you had a bunch of them. I saw Sufi Nude Squad. Whoever and heard of them?
1: No. Super oh. yeah, Sufi Nude Squad. Yeah, have you heard of them? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh great. Well, I listen to Arkansas Mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you, <Thank> you. go. <laughs> uh, uh.
2: Stephen, why did you study journalism and not music in college?
4: Oh well, I was never. You know, Stephanie's the real musical talent. I'm just sort of a rhythm guy, so that was never a consideration. I almost studied arts, but writing was, you know, it it came a lot easier to me, and I'm pretty fast, and so, yeah, my background was that, and I went to Arkansas State and uh, became a, you know, I was a reporter around the state the different little newspapers, and uh, I came to Little Rock in the mid-90s and was the, you may remember this, Carrie, the editor of the former Little Rock Free Press. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that was a great introduction uh, for me to, you know, understand how creative the city is and all the artists and writers. Uh, it was really just, I had no idea, and it was it was really revelatory for me to, you know, come to this city and, like, you know, get to really know all these people and all these musicians that were doing such great work. And at the time in the, in the nineties, you know, there was such great, it seemed like little rock could have become the next Austin or something. There was just so much energy because of the clean years and all that. And we're still doing really great, but that I'm glad we didn't become the next Austin, <laughs> but uh, little rock has always been uh, so full of creativity. And so it was very, it was easy for me to, to get into that because I was able to write about music and write about film and art and basically anything I wanted to at a newspaper like Free Press.
2: You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Arkansas journalists, musicians, cultural influencers, and power couple Stephanie Smittle and Stephen Cook of the popular radio show, Arkansongs. Stephen, you do a lot of things. You have many creative outlets. You're an award-winning journalist in both broadcasting and print, the host of Arkansas, journalist for the Arkansas Times Magazine, and I think you've been published in many more places. You're a musician in your band, Archopolis. You're a cartoonist and author of the 2014 biography book, Lewis Jordan, Son of Arkansas father of R&B, and your latest endeavor is the involvement in a documentary film for PBS called Music in Arkansas Origins 200 BC through 1941. I think that's a very interesting title and date, but let's talk about Arkansas first. How did that come to be, and who was your co-host that you started with?
4: Let's see. This was uh, late 90s, and uh, Keith Merks, uh, who I attended Arkansas State with. He's also a journalist. Uh he lives in Oklahoma now, uh, but is still a producer of this program. Uh he and I were co hosts back at on KBF. And um it was really Louie Jordan was kind of the catalyst for me to do a program like Arkansas, plus I had this great name, Arkansas. <laughs> and When I was a kid, like I said, I was listening to Louis Jordan and like, wow, this guy's cool because it's great music for kids. And as I got older, I wondered, you know, what sort of legacy was going on in his hometown of Brinkley. And, you know, when I was a child, I would imagine there was a big statue of Louis Jordan. And there, of course, was nothing (laughs) for this guy who had... 50 top 10 hits and influenced Ray Charles and B.B. King and Chuck Berry, all the people we consider the influences of of American popular music today, they all were influenced by Louis Jordan. And so I started wondering, you know, if this guy's fallen through the cracks, you know, who else is out there that is, you know, putting down some really uh, groundbreaking music that's from the state. And um, as a journalist, I did a, I don't know how many part series, you know, of, of Arkansas musicians that I was able to dig up, you know, in different genres. And I had that. And it was sort of a template for all the artists that we could play on a radio program. And around 2002, Keith had left the state, And so, uh, I don't know if you guys remember Ron breeding, a uh, well-known radio journalist of the era and, uh, Ben Fry. They asked me to come over to KUAR and, um, Reformatted the show to be pre recorded and to be sort of a segment to fit into public radio uh, day parks. And from there, uh, I've been able to get the show syndicated on all the public radio stations in the state KUHS in Hot Springs, which is a community radio station, solar powered, the only so- solar powered station in the state, second in the country, wow. and also KFFA, which is a commercial station. Peabody Award winner in Helena that's, you know, launched King Biscuit Time, a famous radio station. But anyway, gotten there and down in El Dorado and over in stations in Louisiana and in East Texas. So the program's been, you know, something that I'm very proud of and very passionate about. And I'm very glad that people get a chance to hear it, you know, around the state and, and even elsewhere. I'm flattered that someone in Texas would ever think to listen to arkansas you know
2: what i mean mm. why do you i read where you made a quote you re, you said a quote that says you don't have to be dead to be on arkansas but it helps
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah that's um you know maybe taking it a little far cause, you know I, I, in the early days I, I did try to do i don't want anyone to die <laughs> but um, you, you don't know, have to be um,
2: dead to be on the show, but it does help. <laughs> oh, <God.
4: laughs> um, it, it, I really like there to be a uh, arc, you know, a story arc, that something happened with someone. And uh, I found that, like, when I tried to do, you know, a program on a local popular band, it would quickly go out of date as well, that it would break up or something would happen. And also, there were so many uh, unsung heroes of Arkansas music that had... Passed away and had been from different centuries or different eras. That's what kind of drove me to make it a little bit more historical. And
2: mm-hmm.
4: and uh, I really love facts and geography, and I want to pack all of that stuff I can into an episode.
2: Are you ever running out of uh, people or or uh, subject matter for your show?
4: You know, okay? I got to say, I remember someone asked me that 20 years ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> once you've done Glenn Campbell and Johnny Cash, you know what else? can you do and so i gotta say there's still so many people and so many things i'd like to cover that i hope i can still get around to it i want to keep doing this for as long as i can but no i I don't see any end in sight
2: wow that's pretty neat (laughs) how does arkansas get its name
4: this was kind of before i think these are called chimeric words like arkansas arkansas and it didn't seem as popular when i came up with it you know, now you see that a lot, that people will kind of smush two words together, but it was just something clever I came up with. I try to be clever, Carrie.
2: Okay. I thought, <laughs> well, I know you're you're a musician, and I know that Arcopolis is the name of your band, and I do know where that name come from. Can you tell our listeners?
4: You and I were into history, Carrie, so we both know that was the uh, original name for Little Rock was Arcopolis.
2: I just love that. I kind of still wish it was that. <laughs>
4: It's it's really Greek and it's very classical and I liked it. It sounded like a you know, it's a rocket or something, but it's it's a terrible band name and no one can pronounce it.
2: <laughs> oh so yeah, well that's a mostly good point.
4: Amy Garland was the first person to play our record years ago and I was like, Well, it's exciting, she's fixing to play my music on the radio and then she Stumbled over Arcopolis, and I'm like, okay, that's a terrible band name. <laughs> and then <laughs> That was when I knew.
2: <laughs> Too late. So you have an album, yeah. Excruciating Circumstances, and have you made a second album?
4: Well, we've got one, and um, one of the songs on this version of this rap song.
2: I actually you know, have a tape of that, so we're going to play a little bit of it. Oh, good. Steven? <laughs>
4: yeah, but Little Rock needs to get that in, into their official uh, song category. It's a hit waiting to happen.
2: You know, you know, I when I heard it, I thought this is a song for the city of Little Rock to use. Oh yeah. You know, it lists all the neighborhoods. It's clever. It's got you know a good beat. What do you think about it, Stephanie?
0: Oh it's already a classic. It's already a classic.
4: Transit station, Capitol View, High School Crest, Old Niners, Two, Kamak Village, Quapaw Quarter, Downtown, and Riverdale, down by the water. Transit
5: station, Capitol View, High School Crest, Old Niners, Two, Village, Quapaw Quarter, Downtown, and Riverdale, down by the water. The Arkansas River Post, the
6: Arkansas
5: Valley. Little Rock, Little Rock, Little Rock, Little Rock, Little Rock. City of Rock! On the North Shore, and Park Hill, Downtown, Argenta, and the Old Mill, Levy, Lakewood, and Boy, and all of those, College Station, East End, and the City of Rose.
2: so what do you want your legacy to be
4: you know that great introduction that you gave at the beginning of the show i would aspire to you know be that person that made uh all these Arkansas greats, well-known to Arkansas's own people.
2: I think you're accomplishing that very well. Um, the latest project you're working on is Music in Arkansas Origins, 200 B.C. to 1941. What does that
4: mean? It's really amazing. I hope you can see this when it, it's uh, aired on uh, Arkansas PBS. And uh, this, it really shows how integral the state of Arkansas is to the development of Music in the hemisphere, not just in the United States. This was several years in the making, and uh, my uh, partner Zach McCannon. Uh, he worked at uh, Arkansas PBS at the time, and we worked on this for about three or four years. We went to Oklahoma. But we 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 tracked the, the music of the Quapaw and the Osage, and so a lot of the first part is about um, you know we kind of begin at the LaSalle expedition of 1682. Uh, and then we go back to, you know, pre-European settlements and the first musical instrument we found in the whole Western hemisphere was in Arkansas and in the Hopewell Exchange area and uh, a rattle and a pipe. And we don't, of course, know if they use this in a musical sense or in the sense that we know music, but these are musical instruments, and they were found in Arkansas, and it's the earliest known instruments. I mean, it's really so cool and amazing how Arkansas is sort of this linchpin of of, of music all around us.
3: Here's a short sample of the program on PBS that Stephen's talking about.
4: Ah, someone playing a violin. I'll inquire from him. Get up here. What might your name be?
3: Well, it might be Abe Lincoln, but it ain't. What made you think I was bought here? Why, I guessed it. Well, guess what my name
5: is. <laughs> Iconic to Arkansas history and today the state historic song, the Arkansas Traveler has captured the public imagination for centuries. The tune is believed to be written by Colonel Stanford Faulkner in the 1840s. It would be recorded or modified by hundreds of musicians and performers. Its importance as an American folk song would be sealed, even by the advent of the Civil War. The versatility of this song was such that in 1922, when Arkansas native Eck Robertson recorded what is considered the first country music record, the two songs were Arkansas Traveler and Sally Gooden. The vaudeville routine that developed from this melody was used to highlight Arkansas's backwoods or hillbilly image. As its reputation solidified during the early part of the 1900s, so did the opportunities for talented entertainers to capitalize.
3: That's a short segment from the PBS program Music in Arkansas, origins 200 B.C. to 1941 A.D. that Stephen was referring to in this interview. That section came from a segment of the program called The Arkansas Traveler. Here's another segment of the program, courtesy of Arkansas PBS, about the folk, blues, and country music that developed in Arkansas.
4: Part of this song is the Little I learned from my grandmother when I was very small.
5: The traditional styles of music were preserved and reshaped during the 19th century and created folk, blues, and country during the early 20th century. It was during this time that several notable Arkansas musicians were born. One that carried the beacon of folk music was James Jimmy Driftwood Morris. His father, Neil Morris, was a musician and had carried on the tradition from his father and grandparents.
4: Well, when I was just a small boy, they said that music grew like a grapevine that is never pruned. This infant was lonely and sad. She took him in pity and thought him so
0: pretty. Which made little Moses so glad. She called him her own.
3: You can see these different segments of this terrific program if you go to the website myarkansaspbs.org and just search for Origins and Music. Back to Carrie's interview with Stephen Cook and Stephanie Smittle in just a minute. When
2: we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Arkansas musicians, journalists, and culture advocates, Miss Stephanie Smittle and her partner and radio host of Arkansas Songs and historian, Mr. Stephen Cook. We'll be back after the break.
3: Up in your business with Carrie McCoy, a production of Flag and We'll be right back.
1: Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, starting from door-to-door sales, then telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales. And now, FlagandBanner.com relies heavily on the internet, and live chats with customers all over the world. Over this time, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge has grown. As early as 2004, she began sharing her knowledge in her weekly blog, in 2009, she founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, and in 2014, Brave Magazine, a biannual publication. Today, she has branched out into podcasts, Facebook livestream, and YouTube videos of this radio show. Each week, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. Stay up to date by joining flagandbanner.com's mailing list. You'll receive our Water Cooler Weekly e-blast that notifies you of our upcoming guests, happenings at Dreamland Ballroom, sales at flagandbanner.com, access to Brave Magazine articles, and Carrie's current blog post. All that in one weekly email. Or you may simply like flagandbanner.com's Facebook page for timely notifications. Telling American-made stories. Selling American-made flags. The flagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie.
2: You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Arkansas journalist, musician, and power couple Stephanie Smittle and Stephen Cook of the popular radio show, Arkansas. Before the break, we talked about how those two met in 2010, and now I'd like to talk to Stephanie a little bit about uh, about her band, and she, at the beginning of the show, mentioned that in 2010, she went to an audition, or her friend went to an audition and met these guys who were looking for, what did you call them, Stephanie, a girl singer?
0: They were looking for a girl singer. That's right.
2: Yeah. How professional. <laughs> I need a girl singer. And, uh, and anyway, her friend her friend thought that Stephanie would be perfect for it. So tell us about the day you went in and uh, met these guys who were looking for the girl singer.
0: At the time, we were um, jamming, uh, and it truly jamming, by the way, Um, very unstructured, we would, it was, it was the first situation I think I was in musically where we could easily play for four hours and you'd look at the clock and it felt like 20 minutes had gone by. And um, despite the fact that I was by far the youngest person in the room, I found that uh, pretty quickly that we had a lot of, uh, we had a lot of musical affinities in common Um, I grew up listening to the Beatles and so we found some common ground there and I think like a lot of ensembles before you can get to the point where you're writing and creating new material together it helps to kind of find the ground that you both can meet on and uh, so that was the ground where we could both meet on is things like Lucinda Williams and, and the Beatles and even some old stuff you know etta james and so we we uh, we, we started sort of creating out of that and we put out an album called bright street in 2010 which is a take on the the street that i grew up in on in cave springs and then a couple of years later i met a fabulous musician uh named john davies and john davies plays bass in uh in uh, Earl in Them, which is a takeoff of the popular blues rock band, the Kate Brothers, who you may know. He's a fabulous bass player. But what I also discovered in becoming friends with him is that he's, he's not just a bass player, he really has a knack for sort of producing and experimenting with sound. So we went into Wolfman Studios, which is a longstanding sort of staple of the Little Rock recording scene run by Jason Tedford. And we created an album called Tales from Tattletown, which I, I always called it like hymns and uh, sort of fairy tale feel. It's by no means a cohesive album. It feels to me a little bit like each track you're sort of flipping the radio channel to a different radio station. <laughs> uh, but it was very fun to make and uh, certainly taught me a lot about sort of the recording process in and of itself. And I'm incredibly grateful to. To john davies for sort of stretching our, our limits in this studio there i mean we used a megaphone we used a toy piano uh we got a a small choir together um, i don't think
2: i like the way toy pianos sound i don't
0: know
2: they kind of grate <laughs> on my nerves they remind me of my children's let's say it's too much noise. mother
1: flash mothering flashbacks <laughs>
6: I
2: don't know if people would like that. It
0: is an instrument. It's an instrument that's best in small doses.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's true. (laughs) So, Bright, you you were kind of unusual. I read that the Smittle Band actually wrote songs and produced an album before they ever performed publicly. Is that true?
0: It's true. And honestly, I don't know that we thought that it was supposed to be any other way. You know, it's, it's... it's it's really uh, it was it's really a gift for me to have fallen in with a group of musicians who cared a lot less about creating a, a sound that was you know could be a brand and could be marketable, and they cared a lot more about being um, um, whatever whatever was coming to them musically at the moment. While I understand the need for um, bands to sort of develop an identity and. And develop a cohesive sound. It certainly wasn't where any of us were at. It was, you know, we were we we might have been flailing, but we were flailing wildly and creatively. And I am I am very grateful for that. But yeah, it was it's actually a great experience. By the time we started playing in front of anyone, we had jammed together for so long that we had a lot of flexibility. So we could respond if there were people, you know, getting getting into the music and dancing, you take it around another time, and it certainly taught me a lot about about stagecraft, a lot of which was honed at a bygone spot called The Afterthought, which was up uh, in Hillcrest.
2: Your music has been called by the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Jazzy Americana, and another review called it Genre
0: Hopping. What do you call it? I think Genre Hopping is is fair. Uh, I... Have a habit, a questionable habit of saying yes to a lot of different styles of music, and uh, I'm maybe comfortable being a chameleon in that way. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me that one, uh, if if your voice can can have different colors, then I think it's okay to explore those different colors, and I think it's okay to sort of uh, find where they might fit. You know, uh, this, this style of singing that I use when I'm doing Sacred Chant with Grady at Trinity Episcopal and creating these lovely, like, 16th century, like, polyphonic works is a very different style than I would use when I'm singing with the Klezmer band. But both styles feel like
3: me. Earlier in this episode, we promised you a sample of Stephanie Smiddle's just released... Debut solo album. It was recorded last fall at Blue Chair Studio. You can find this sample on her website, Smiddle.com. Vida was a butcher by
6: profession. of the others kept at least a dozen knives in session
3: streaming platforms now and coming on vinyl in august
6: mr walked wide and drove a
2: big car
3: stephanie smiddle from her self-titled debut album
2: you are really right on when you say that you're a chameleon because some of the play- bands i've read that you sang with southern sludge metal and iron tongue folk music and meshuga band sacred music as you just mentioned cantor and corster at the Trinity Episcopal Cathedral in Christchurch featured Sir at the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra. That's a big variety. And if anybody wants to <laughs> I mean, very big. One of the clips that you sent me, a YouTube video you sent me that I really enjoyed. You sent me two of them. One of them was Funny How the Money. And I
0: thought mm-hmm. it
2: really showed how soft and delicate your voice could be and also how strong it could be in that song
0: well th- thank you i am actually sitting in the very same chair in the very same spot that i wrote that song in right now <laughs> i remember it. it was i was looking at the capitol and uh there were some of us uh, had gone down to to protest a bill that we felt like we should protest and so that song came out of that the video itself is formed uh, was was filmed at by a really talented videographer named samuel pettit We filmed it, and it's actually an outtake. We weren't there to perform that song, but we went down to the Albert Pike Masonic Lodge, which was at the time just sort of starting to dip its toe into uh, having more of the public come in and see this amazing, hallowed, (laughs) gorgeous space. And somehow or another, I lucked my way into uh, being able to film uh, another song there called "Embassy," which Samuel Pettit did for us, and we're getting ready to pack up and leave. We had a little bit of time, And so I said, "Hey, I've got this little kind of protest piece. do Do we have time to to take this? So with walker, the the guitarist in that video uh, set up we set up a couple of chairs and we faced them backward on the on the stage. It was the stage where later opera in the rock and Arkansas Symphony Orchestra would do. The Magic Flute, Mozart's Magic Flute. So it's that very same stage in an incredibly amazing, if you've you've ever been in the Albert Pike Masonic Temple, you know exactly what I mean. The the whole place is just charged. Mm -hmm. There's just an energy in the whole place. And so we filmed Funny How the Money There, and uh, that that song still stays with me. I've still got it in my pocket.
2: Good, let's play it. Big Mr. Real McCoy.
6: He's just like a little boy Putting up a polish on all of his toys Counts all his money too, Count it till his face turned blue Until he hits a million, a million and ten Count it all over again Funny how the money, how it's never enough Funny how we're keeping the score Mr. Money wears a honey lake on his cuff Hides his money under the floor Sister Sally washes his clothes She trims the little hairs in his nose Keeps his kitchen clean with a garden hose Leaves out a quarter to five To keep a little habit alive She marks the ace of diamonds And though it's a sin She says a ship is gonna come in Funny how the money does a vanishing act Levitates and then disappears Read a little closer It's in your contract Call us at the end of the year Looking out the window at home, I can see the Capitol dome. Every year they count up whatever we own. Put it in a piggy bank, make another military tank. To keep the peace and quiet, we've come to a door. Who could ask for anything more? Funny how the money gets a-shiftin' around. Funny how it moves to the top. Bill, you will the day that put your balls in the ground. Money,
2: money, never stop. Speaking of operas, uh you played Virginia Clinton in Bonnie Montgomery's opera, Billy Blythe. Tell us about that.
0: I did. That was a, a great privilege because it's not very often that you get to perform the work of a living composer, and it's even less often that you get to perform the work of a composer who you know and and who, um, you know, who who you admire. I mean, what a thrill to get to sing Arkansas Story, uh, you know, brought into life by an Arkansas opera company, by an Arkansas-based composer. I mean, I just, I think that this this opera has a, a life beyond Bill Clinton's story and beyond Arkansas. I hope a lot of people find it. It's it's really a it's really a, a true sort of um, um, you know early American style of um, intimate opera, and I've I've loved seeing it staged. I've seen it staged a couple of different ways, and I, I've loved it most when it's when it's really intimate and. Um, it's just—it's a beautiful story. The books behind it are are beautiful, and uh, I love Bonnie's work. I was so thrilled to be a part of that.
2: Stephanie, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Stephen. What do you want your legacy to be?
0: Well, I hope it's not over yet. Well, um, I do but, too. But you know, <laughs> when it is,
2: or you can have a legacy while you're living, I guess can't you?
0: You know, I, I have to say, just on on a on a personal note, part of. What I'm starting to feel um, in terms of like legacy and the responsibility of a legacy isn't the music that I'm creating publicly, so much as it is um, with my family. So I have a brother who has um, he and his wife have six children, and they have started to pick up instruments of their own. And so i while i'm i'm not I'm not suggesting that I am uh, the reason that they are picking up instruments or singing, um, there are many wonderful people in their lives supporting them in their in their musical endeavors but it's that's that's honestly the first thing that comes to mind when you when you say that is just the thought of my niece mm-hmm. at the piano making a video on her phone that's so tender and so mm-hmm. true and 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 so smart and so honest and mm-hmm. um if i just like had one tiny piece of that was uh was was you know a result of my influence and that would make me wildly happy
2: you know that's what we talk about is that all successful people have the heart of a teacher they really do this is a great place to take a break when we come back we'll continue our conversation with arkansas musicians journalists and culture advocates miss stephanie Smittle and her partner and radio host of arkansas mr stephen cook we'll be back after the break
3: up in your business with carrie mccoy a production of flagandbanner.com. We'll be right back. No matter what kind of flag you might display—an American flag, a patriotic flag of some other kind, a military flag, any kind at all, even decorative ones—nobody wants to get that flag in a bunch. Stop the flag wrapping frustration with a brand new item from flagandbanner.com: the Never Furl Flagpole Kit—a versatile flag kit that's a must-have for attaching to flag surfaces. When you check it out at flagandbanner.com, you'll even see a link to a YouTube video on how you best use it. Plus, if you shop now, you can save 12% with the code NF12. That deal expires August 1st. There's always something new and money to be saved at flagandbanner.com.
2: You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Arkansas journalist, musician, and power couple Stephanie Smittle and Stephen Cook of the popular radio show, Songs. Let's talk about some of the music legends of Arkansas. We've talked a lot about Louis Jordan and how his work influenced uh, James Brown, Chuck Berry, and Ray Charles. And we've talked a little bit about Rosetta Tharp, but we haven't talked about Levon Helm. Is that, uh, He was in the band. He died not very long ago, and I think Kevin Cressy made a statue of a bust of him, a bronze yeah. bust. I heard that there was a conflict between Robbie Robertson and Levon Helm for who wrote the songs.
4: There is a little and still is a lot of uh bad blood but I will say I got the privilege of knowing Levon and I remember, you know, we talked about he mentioned sort of that in his autobiography and he was not a bitter guy. I'll put it that way. You know, he was a dude that loved life and they say, Don't need your heroes but I met him and got to know him and he was a fantastic guy. And so you guys talk about legacy. Um he left not such a such a great musical legacy, but a legacy of of kindness and generosity towards people and he's just he's, you know, justifiably well loved in Arkansas. And someone I've been kind of studying on uh, for some future episodes of arkansas is his mentor um i know this is a show you like to talk about the, uh, the power of mentoring and uh passing uh legacies on in that in that way and kudos to you for doing that and, and this guy henry glover who's from hot springs arkansas is someone i've been doing a lot of research on And he died in 1991 but he was levon's mentor he was a great songwriter and producer in the 40s and he was the first guy to record uh levon and the hawks uh in the early 60s and late 50s and he wrote the song uh california sun he wrote drowning Mountain tears he pr- produced the original version of the twist he produced wow. the original version of fever uh he was a great behind the scenes person but he became uh he was levon's mentor
2: uh, Conway Twitty, of course, everybody knows, Glenn Campbell, Al Green, Johnny Cash. But this was one I saw in your bio. Cult leader Tony Alamo did a oh, stint yeah. as a musician. Where, where did you
4: find that? <laughs> I don't but, know. Yeah, um, he had the cult and Alma, um, but he was also uh, very interested in music. I mean I have I have some of his records. And so that to me is like a great Arkansas Story. He was obviously a repellent man, but the fact that he recorded music makes it very interesting for an arkansas episode.
2: Yeah. Was he any good? Just before we move on, was he any good? Um, what did he play?
4: No, no. <laughs> uh, He's he, he saying he may have played stuff, but I mean, to me, that could still be a you know, even if it's bad, it's you know, interesting. The, my radio show it, it's only it's only seven and a half minutes long. I said, you know, it's just a segment. So even if it's someone that's bad, it can still be an interesting story, <laughs> something fun to listen to.
2: So, Stephen, <laughs> if I just wanted to go and listen to a bunch of Arkansong episodes, is there a website I can just go? and
4: On arkansongs.org, there's, I have hundreds of episodes, and a lot of them are online uh, you can just listen to on
2: demand. So it's Arkansas. arkansongs.org, and you just I'm going to go listen right. to them on demand I can do seven and a half minutes of anything for a long time. <laughs> Stephanie, how about you? <laughs> Stephanie, how about you? If we wanted to go hear your music, where should we go?
0: You know, they make they make it pretty easy these days. These days, so if you if you type in um, Stephanie Smittle or Smittle Band, you will find me. Um, a great place to find what I'm uh, working on and doing is just to follow me on Instagram. I'm just at Stephanie Smittle and also on Facebook, just under Stephanie Smittle. And I I promise, I solemnly swear, I'll I'll keep you in the loop.
2: Being an artist is a haphazard career. This is my last question. It's always moving and changing. When you look back at your career, both of you, is there a missed opportunity that if you had been a little bit older and wiser, you might not have missed?
4: I've been going through boxes um, recently, and I found some old journals. I was a uh, Australian exchange student. And, uh, since, you know, I used to, I did travel writing back in the day. So I got to travel to a lot of places, but my first international trip was when I was, had just turned 17. And I was reading this journal and I was very disappointed in my 17 year old self for not fully taking advantage of those opportunities and sort of waiting for things to happen to me. Rather than trying to make things happen.
0: Mm-hmm. How about you, Stephanie? You know, I have those. I probably have a list—a mental list of those—that's a little bit more handy and and readily available to to me to recall uh, than than maybe it even should be. And and honestly, I try not to mm-hmm. to dwell too much on that because I know myself, and I know that there are also opportunities that i did say yes to when i i wasn't ready and when i look at those opportunities those are some of the things that um, introduced me to someone that that ended up being a real creative mentor to me or introduced me to an experience that um you know definitely looking back I, i would have said oh i wasn't ready i needed to perfect that and i needed to hone that And I needed for it to be a little bit more polished before it went out into the world. But the reality is, like, you're just really never ready. (laughs) So you you just kind of got to do it.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Stephanie Smittle and Stephen Cook, for preserving and promoting Arkansas arts and culture and for sharing your stories with our listeners today. You are both treasures for Arkansas.
0: Thank you, Carrie.
2: Thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business.
1: You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Subscribe to podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.